Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lands. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. We're in 1 Samuel chapter 20 tonight, 1 Samuel 20. We're going to look at the living out of loyal love, the living out of a covenant. What does that look like when you live out a covenant? We're going to connect that to the idea of marriage, but here the covenant is actually between two friends. If you have a good friend in your life who is a believer and someone that you can look to and count on, uh, even to challenge you and exhort you and hold you accountable, that is a really good thing. I think every Christian needs at least one person in your life that you can be accountable to in a peer-type relationship. Someone that you know has the right to challenge you and someone that you've opened up enough to who knows you, knows your struggles and your weaknesses. A person that is safe, a person that you know is committed to your well-being in Christ. Everybody needs somebody like that. And it's something that you should be praying for, that not only can you have somebody like that in your life, but that you can be that for somebody else. I would even argue that as an older Christian, in addition to that, you should be mentoring a younger believer in Christ. That's just natural stuff that we should be doing. So let's pray. Father, again, we just want to thank you for this glorious a night together, this wonderful chapter, very insightful as to the love of loyalty, friendship, uh, covenant. Uh, I pray that we would be people like this, that we would be true promise keepers, that we would keep our word as Jonathan did for David and David did for Jonathan. What an incredible friendship they had. And uh, even though uh, ultimately Jonathan will die because of what happens with his father and everything. He was committed to the anointed one, to David, at much cost, much much personal cost. And Lord, we know in the shadows is the relationship between uh, the Messiah and his people. A commitment that is not cheap or easy, one that will cost us. Jesus, you told us to count the cost to follow you. You told us that It's not always going to be easy, but it's going to be right and true and good. Many of us, Lord, are facing questions in the culture tonight, uh, questions that arise from family members about what we believe and why we believe it, and the stands that we take, how we need each other to um, hold each other up, Lord. And so I pray tonight would be encouraging for the saints and that we would Um, Be led by your Holy Spirit, Lord, and make the application that you have for us tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The loyal love of covenant. So uh, Jonathan and David have made a covenant together. It's initiated actually by Jonathan. Go back for a second to 1 Samuel 18 and look at verse 3. 1 Samuel 18, verse 3. It says, Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. 
Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him, 1 Samuel 18, 4, and gave it to David with his armor, including the sword, his sword, and his bow, and his belt. Now, what we have here is an incredible moment where the son of the king, Saul, now strips himself of the royal privileges and rights of that he had as the heir apparent to the throne, and he gives them to the anointed one, David. David's actually going to be the king, and Jonathan somehow knows this already. And he takes off the things that would be his right, humanly speaking, and he gives them to the rightful heir, He gives them to the anointed one. He gives them to the king. Now, this is the covenant that was mentioned. And even though, uh, excuse me, David, go back to 1 Samuel 20, has not taken the throne yet, Jonathan recognizes who he is at great personal cost because for Jonathan to strip himself of the royal rights means that he will lose something. But he recognizes that the true king is David. It is not him. And so therefore, he's willing to give over what, what really, some would argue, and his, his dad is even going to say in this chapter, if, if the son of Jesse lives, you will lose out. And Jonathan is going to say, no, dad. This is, the, this is the right way to do things. As Christians, we have to make a decision. We have to, we, you and I, have been asked to divest ourselves of some rights that we might have to give ourselves to the true anointed one. And in the end, we will dwell in his house for how long? Forever. We're living for eternal things. And Jonathan recognizes that. And it's very insightful that he does. I want you to think for a second. These are two relatively younger men who've already figured out what life is really about. They are living for higher things. They are living on a higher plane. How many people do you know right now who are living truly for eternal things? Who have the kingdom of God in mind when they execute everyday life. That's what David and Jonathan were about. But David's life was on the line, and we saw at the end of chapter 19 that Saul sent all these parties to try and take David, and every time he sent somebody, they were overtaken by the Holy Spirit. You remember, and they ended up prophesying? And then finally Saul came, and Saul said, it's hard to find good help these days. I'm going to do it now. And he went, and he was confronted by the Holy Spirit, and he took off his royal robes, I think a very symbolic act. The Holy Spirit was saying, you're not the king, David is. And he laid there prophesying prophesying under Samuel. How long did this last? I don't know for sure. But it says David fled. This is 1 Samuel 20, verse 1. David fled from Naoth and Ramah, where all this was taking place, where all the interceptions happened by the Holy Spirit. And he and came and said to Jonathan, so uh, even though the Holy Spirit has protected David, he still feels like his life is at risk and he's on the run. So he bails out of this place and he goes to seek out his good friend. 
And he says to him, we've all been here before. He's going to go to the king's son. This may be some sort of formal complaint to the king's son. He says something that I think we could all relate to. He says, what have I done? Have you ever been there before? What have I done to deserve this? Some of you have sometimes looked up to the heavens and said that. What is my iniquity? And what is my sin before your father that he is seeking my life? I think David is a bit exhausted with Saul at this point. Saul had made a covenant earlier in chapter 19. Uh, his Jonathan had talked to dad and he said, dad, why are you going to do this? David's only been for you. He's not been against you. He risked his life to take on Goliath. He plays the harp to relax you and this harmful spirit comes. What do you have against him? And Saul said, oh, uh, he's not going to die. And Saul made a covenant. Well, that wouldn't last. Now, all these people are coming after David. And David goes to his good friend and says, I don't know what I've done to your father, but he keeps seeking my life. He's seeking to destroy me. What do I do now? Why? What? What have I done? Maybe you're there tonight. Maybe you've hit a bunch of hardships in your life and you've been asking questions like that. What have I done to deserve this? Well, David hadn't done anything. In fact, David was just trying to walk in God's will. And sometimes when you're walking in God's will, things just happen. Um, sometimes as Christians, we have this notion that when we're in the center of God's will, life will be perfectly smooth sailing. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think if you're doing what you're supposed to do, you can expect some bumps and some opposition even from the enemy. I think we should expect that. But David is like all of us. He's human. And so he's asking all those why and what questions. And he said to him, far from it, you shall not die. Now Jonathan responds, verse 2, Behold, my father does nothing, either great or small, without disclosing it to me. So why should my father hide this thing from me? It is not so. Yet David vowed again, verse 3, again saying, your father knows well that I found favor in your sight. And he has said, do not let Jonathan know this, lest he be grieved. I've got news for you, Jonathan. You may think you know what your dad's up to, but he's hiding stuff from you. Because he knows that you've made a commitment to me. And so he's holding back information so that you won't be grieved because he's got my demise in mind. He's not giving you all the info, man. You don't know everything. In fact, your dad has been after me. And it may be that Jonathan is ignorant. The last we saw Jonathan was earlier in chapter 19, as I mentioned. Uh, he, look at verse 5. He talks to his dad about David. And Saul listened to the voice of Jonathan, 19.6. And Saul vowed, as the Lord lives, he shall not be put to death. And so Jonathan uh, called David, and Jonathan told him all these words, and Jonathan brought David to Saul. And that's the last we've heard from Jonathan, and Jonathan may just not know that his dad has flipped the script again. He's changed his mind again. And so David's saying, look, your father knows you've made a commitment to me, 
Unless you be grieved, he's not telling you what's going on, verse 3. But truly as the Lord lives, and as your soul lives, there is hardly a step between me and death. Surely as the Lord lives, and surely as you stand here, Jonathan, your dad is trying to kill me, and I've just barely escaped death on several occasions. My life is hanging by a thread. Now, God has been faithful to protect David, and we know David's the anointed one. He's going to be the king, and nothing is going to take David out. None of Saul's plans are going to work, but David is going to be on the run for years and years from this man. But he's going to end up in the spot where God wants him, and nothing's going to stop that. You can try to fight God all you want, but nothing is going to stop God's plan. God's perfect will will be done. And if God has something in mind for you, uh, calling for you to fulfill, of course you need to be obedient to his call, but it's going to happen. And so David says, look, there's hardly a step between me and death. Jonathan said to David, as a good friend would, whatever you say, I will do. What do you want me to do, man? I think Jonathan may have been a little shocked, maybe a little bit disappointed. He said, what do you want me to do? I'll do whatever you ask me to do. The gravity of the situation has certainly caught the attention of Jonathan. David said to Jonathan, behold, tomorrow is the new moon. And I ought to sit down to eat with the king, but let me go that I might hide myself in the field until the third evening. If your father misses me at all, then say, David earnestly asked leave of me to run to Bethlehem, notice his city, because it is a yearly sacrifice there for the whole family. Now it may be that there was a yearly sacrifice that happened with David and his family, but this is just a story that David is asking Jonathan to share with his father. In fact, he's asking him to deceive his dad. And, you know, sometimes when Christians look at stuff like this in their Bibles, they wrestle with it because we know there's a clear commandment that we shall not bear false witness. But in this case, the greater good is to protect innocent life, and the innocent life being protected is David, the anointed one. And so Jonathan's listening to what David has to say, and he says, look, tell your, tell your dad that I've gone home. I've gone to be with my family. Something that uh, Saul had asked him actually not to do. And you'll notice the mention of the new moon here. The new moon was something that the uh, Jewish people celebrated at the beginning of the month, and they would have uh, sometimes festival uh, occasions. And they would celebrate and they would sacrifice and they would look for the new moon to kind of uh, determine their calendar. And that new moon had to be verified by two witnesses. And we talked about this a little bit when we talked about the Feast of Trumpets, if you recall that teaching. And there was a verification of the new moon, but they would celebrate the beginning of the moon with a festival. And sometimes it took a few days to make sure and verify So the new moon is being celebrated. Paul even mentions the new moon in Colossians, I think it's 2.16. 
He said, let no one act as your judge in regard to a Sabbath day or a festival or a new moon. Those things are shadows of what was to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Some people even tie the new moon to the new birth and uh, uh, talk about this in connection with how it's fulfilled in the Messiah. But the Jews would celebrate this new moon and So David is expected to be at the royal table. After all, he's son-in-law of Saul. He's very important in the army. And uh, David's really doing a little test here to see how Saul feels. If he says, seven, it is good, your servant shall be safe. Okay, it's fine. David went off. But if he's very angry, know that he has decided on evil. Therefore, deal kindly. Here's the Hebrew word, has said, show covenant loyalty. And notice David calls himself Jonathan's servant with your servant, for you have brought your servant into a covenant of the Lord with you. But if there is iniquity in me, put me to death yourself, for why then should you bring me to your father? If you will do whatever I ask, here's what I'm asking. I'm not going to show up at the dinner table at the New Moon Festival. The reasons are obvious. I want you to get a pulse on where your dad's at because he keeps flip-flopping and I'm not willing to risk it for whatever's on the dinner table at the New Moon. You remember there? He He tends to take spears and throw them at me in the middle of dinner parties. I don't feel real good about this. So if you're willing... Here's what I'd ask of you. I'd ask you to kind of feel out your dad. But look at verse 8. I'd like you to show me hased. I'd like you to show me loving kindness. You've made a covenant with me. Therefore, I'd ask you to do this thing for me. When we enter into a relationship of covenant, there's very significant things that we have to be willing to do. In fact, a covenant means in marriage that you're willing to die for your spouse. Husbands, we are to love our wives as Christ loved the church. And he, what did he do? He gave himself up for her. And in the shadows of the David-Jonathan relationship is the emergence of the gospel and the commitment of love that is between Christ and his church. And so he says, show me loving kindness, show me steadfast love, show me the covenant loyalty um, of hesed. Hesed in the Hebrew picture language means the door of mercy and protection or refuge and foundation. This is the love of loyalty. I think it's used about 240 times in the Old Testament. And it is the expected behavior of marriage partners in covenant. It is the idea of fidelity. But it means in the Hebrew picture language, the door of mercy and protection and refuge. If you have a true covenant relationship with someone, you will feel safe with them. Amen? It's a beautiful thing to feel the safety of trust in a covenant that's been built over time. I heard one pastor say 
that when you are committed to a spouse and the years go by and you're both true to the covenant, there is an intimacy and a depth of love that you can know in no other relationship than you know in that one. There's a safety. There's a beauty of commitment. That's why I would encourage all of you who are younger and you're pondering marriage and and those kinds of things to find somebody committed to God first. Because those who are committed to God first will be committed to a covenant that they make with you. I even told my nieces before they get got married, and now they're both married for several years, I said, find a man who loves God at least as much as you do, hopefully more, so he can lead you towards Jesus Christ. There's a safety in covenant. But David then says, look, if I've done anything wrong, and, and his language here may B, if I've broken our covenant, some commentators believe that when they made the covenant back in 18.3 and Jonathan, and this is conjecture, gave up the royal robes, if you will, that he asked David not to take the throne by force. We don't know for sure, but we remember many times when David could have taken Saul out, as we'll see in future chapters, and he doesn't. He's not willing to, to touch God's king. He's going to let God deal with it. But it, it, could it relate to some covenant that he had made with Jonathan? We're even going to see that Jonathan's going to ask him to uh, be faithful to his future household. He's even thinking of future generations, so it may be. But David is either saying, if I've sinned or if I've broken our covenant, just kill me now. Don't bring me to your father because I can't take any more of it. And Jonathan, Jonathan said, Far be it from you, for if I should indeed learn that evil has been decided by my father, verse 9, to come upon you, then would I not tell you about it? Verse 9 in the NIV says, Never, Jonathan said, if I had the least inkling that my father was determined to harm, and the word here means to do evil to you, wouldn't I tell you? You know, David is, uh, Jonathan, excuse me, is in a tough spot because he's caught between a good friend with whom he's made a covenant and his father. It's a tough spot to be in. Jesus in Luke chapter 14 says, you need to love me more than you love father and mother. And when we look at something like that, we we sometimes chafe under the implications of that verse, but Jesus says, look, I've got to be first. Everything else has got to fall underneath your love for me. And David said to Jonathan, who will tell me if your father answers you harshly? Okay, you've agreed to this deal at the dinner table. Okay, if your dad has evil out for me, how will I get the message? I'd really like to know. Jonathan said to David, come, let us go into the field. So both of them went out into the field, perhaps maybe not to be overheard by anybody, perhaps to mark out the plan. And Jonathan said to David, the Lord, the God of Israel, be witness. When I have sounded out my father about this time tomorrow or the third day, 
Behold, if there is a good feeling toward David, shall I not send to you and make it known to you? Now, I want you to notice in verse 12, the Lord God of Israel is called to be what? To be witness. And you're going to see all over this chapter, there's covenant language. When we do a wedding and uh, we go through the vows, one of the last things I say for the bride and groom is, these words, with God as my witness, I give you my promise. Thank you for listening to today's program. Our mission is to get the truth of God's word out. This is our passion. We want to impact as many people as possible. And we have an opportunity to expand this radio program. And we need you, the listener, to partner with us in prayer and in giving. You can give to our ministry through our website at livingtruthcorona.org. That's livingtruthcorona.org. Hey, this is Pastor Michael. Thank you so much again for listening to Living Truth Radio. We're blessed to have a wonderful listening audience, and we appreciate you partnering with us in prayer and in giving if you can. But we just want to say thank you for listening, tuning in. Tell a friend about Living Truth Radio. And keep us in prayer. We want to just get the Word of God out to as many people as possible. Hey, I wanted to take a moment to invite you to our website. It's livingtruthcorona.org. Last time we were together, I told you a little bit about articles that are on that website. And I think they'll be very helpful for you. I want to tell you about something else on the website. And it is sermons. We have church sermons. We have radio sermons. And we have a huge archive section at livingtruthcorona.org. And in that archive section, we have complete book teachings, both Old and New Testament, in their entirety, verse by verse. Those sermons are all up there. They're all free. We give the Word of God out for free. If you want to order a CD from our ministry, contact us through the website. Let us know how we can get that into your hands. We believe in getting the Word of God out to as many people as possible and making it accessible at livingtruthcorona.org. Under sermons, you can find church, radio, and archived sermons. Thank you for listening to Living Truth Radio, for praying for us. May God richly bless you and your family. Thank you for listening to Living Truth Radio. And, you know, when we're doing radio, folks, um, it's a little hard to tell who's listening. And we'd like to be able to uh, hear from our listening audience. And we're not asking for anything other than just drop us an email and let us know uh, if the program has been a blessing to you. We'd certainly like to hear from you. We're always looking how to best spend our stewardship dollars in terms of the ministry of radio. And so we, we'd like to know uh, how we're doing. And drop the email to office at livingtruthcorona.org. That's office at livingtruthcorona.org. And just let us know who you are and if you've been listening, if the program's been a blessing to you. That would really help us out and that would be a blessing to us just to hear from some of our radio listeners. So again, drop an email to office at livingtruthcorona.org. Thank you so much for listening and praying for us and supporting us if you can. And we uh, are very appreciative of the body of Christ and pray that the Lord will bless you and your family. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. 
Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.